Christ. Oh, welcome to the Zanzizi podcast. Rad Dad 2023 in the Rad Dad studios with my boy. This is his debut episode. You remember him. You remember him from Tales of the Spooky. Tales which of you, the Spooky. Which was our first jaunt. And then we did a Patreon only uh, show called Have You Heard Of, where we just talked about basically, in some ways, this could be like the mystical stepchild, redheaded stepchild. No, not redheaded stepchild. <laughs> no one likes the red, <laughs> redheaded stepchild. Mike is on the podcast. We have yet to give him a, a proper nickname. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm fucking great. Fucking fantastic. We're over that like Christmas hump where it was like. Oh, thank Everybody God. was like, yeah. somebody buy me everything. And uh, you're like, shut up, consumerism, capitalism, th- thank drowning you, Because me. I don't like Christmas. so I am the same way. No, you, you've got a Christmas tree. I still up because I hate it so much. <laughs> so I, every year, I, every, every day I flip it off in rage. But um, before we get too far, we're do- today we're doing the history of Nintendo. Which I mean, we could. The thing about it is, is we we could sit here and probably talk about like everything. Just we could do a whole. I feel like you could. This is one of those things for, especially for an '80s '90s kid. I feel like you you could do a part two on this. Yeah, I I think what eventually this is going to end up being because I think inevitably we'll do a history of Xbox, history of Sony, yeah. you know, Square Enix, SquareSoft. Project Dolphin. Project Dolphin. I mean, or even just handheld gaming because it's, I mean, in the chronological lists that I saw online, the DS is the second highest selling system of all time. PlayStation 2 is number one. I think number three is like Game Boy. It's it's insane. Mm -hmm. Like handheld gaming has such a... And especially with the iPhones, it just became like a grip on society. Anyway, we're getting too far ahead here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for listening. We're gonna we're gonna dive in depth. We've got so much information. And like you said, you could do multiple parts on a subject like this. It's it's insane. But I just wanted to kind of talk because it's been a minute. I'm doing great, you're doing great. We're out of the we're, we're we're trudging towards the spring. Oh, I can't wait. We're all like it it feels like we are in the spring right now. There's no snow. Mm-hmm. It's almost 40 degrees outside. <laughs> right. But then it's like Michigan, you know, in like 2 weeks we might get that like ooh. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. We will. And then we can play that that fun game we play in Michigan called Everyone forgot to drive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, am I on a road? What's wrong with my tires? Uh, Yes, that is is the Midwest, folks. All right, Nintendo. History of Nintendo. What is your first mic, your first memory of Nintendo as a child? Oh, man. My first memory, and this this is going to cover Nintendo 
I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to go into it real quick. Right. My grandmother was a genius, is still a genius. Very cool. Because she's still alive. Um, we would go over to her house as kids, and she bought every system that was out. So she had Nintendo, Super Nintendo. Uh, Sounds like you had a dream grandma. Dude, amazing. That's fucking, fucking awesome. Great. And she had snacks and everything, and, 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 and each room was a different system. So and she had it from uh, the uh, regular Nintendo all the way up to like the sixty four. So you had like Sega Genesis in one room. Oh my god! And yeah, well, I think Sega Genesis is now owned by Nintendo now. Right? right. They're yeah. they they they're solely software, no yeah. more hardware, from what I can tell. So she had it all, and that mm-hmm. was probably my earliest memory of Nintendo. Right or, on. Or playing games. That is crazy. Now. What do you think made her such a prolific, I guess, consumer of video game products? I believe that she she was way ahead of her time. She's like, I, I bet she was like, how do I get all the grandkids over here? I want to spend time with my grandkids. I love my kids. How do I get everybody over here? And she did it. And that's how she did it. Wow. She had she had like a three story house and. Um, no, a two-story house in like different rooms, so they all be sectioned off. And my grandpa always tried to make us work. He's like, "No, I want to play video games, Grandpa. Yeah. Don't make me cut the lawn." <laughs> <laughs> right, that's crazy. So, did did she also play games? My grandma did not, but my grandfather, fucking killer, really? never touched a fucking video game in his life. Destroyed us every time on Goldeneye. Ah, uh, so he had that like freak y control button n64 controller like yeah badassery with with that with that 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 fucking like ninja turtle hand three arm like three finger kind of thing (laughs) you got you're playing yeah i to this day i i always wonder if that was just a fluke because there were certain people and i i mean we could tangent on the n64 and golden eye for (laughs) that that, that's also an episode come home yeah basically um God, oh wow, that's it's that's funny. But that was like a great multiplayer experience. Again, a testament to Rare and Nintendo. Um, my first memory, similar to where you said Grandma, in, you know, bought all the systems and Grandpa schooled everyone in Goldeneye. <laughs> I had a Grandpa who actually gave me a Nintendo Entertainment System with Mario and Duck Hunt. Wow. Um, and for the longest time, until my mom burst my bubble this summer, I was like, that's the greatest gift I've ever received, until my gr- my my mom was like, your grandpa bought a Nintendo, and he didn't like it, so he just gave it to you. And I'm like, I thought he bought it for me. Oh. But that's, you know what? It's still, he still thought of his oldest grandson and said, you know what? This little nerd, he needs to play with a little Italian for a while. So, Or he thought... I've got some trash to throw away. Where's my annoying grandson at? <laughs> where's, where's that crotch fruit that my daughter just spat out? Um, anyway, so yes, Nintendo history. Now, the history of Nintendo begins in 1889, which Damn. is like we're talking pre-World War One, pre-almost like a medieval Japan era uh founded uh, initially founded to produce handmade hanafuda playing cards in the mid 1900s the company licensed third party card 
graphics, such as Disney characters. In the 1960s, it expanded into countless varieties of toys, including original designs by Gunpei Yokai. In the 80s, it became one of the most prominent figures in the video game industry as we know today, Mm -hmm. including designs by Shigeru Miyamoto. Holy cow. If there is a hero in the Nintendo saga, it's Miyamoto. Like, this mother... I. I don't even want to curse in his name because I, f- I see this guy as like the he's still alive, Steve. Isn't he? Oh yeah, he's yeah. like, I mean, he was when they showed the uh, the new Super Mario Brothers movie trailer. He he was there, you know, because he that's his brain. Tra- I mean, he comes up throughout this entire thing as kind of like the I guess I wouldn't even call him the Steve Jobs. He's the Miyamoto. Well, he's, the, he's, he's, the, like, he's the Bill Gates of uh, Nintendo. Basically, like he started in like probably his garage or his mom's basement. Right. Like he he just like even even listening to certain documentaries, it's like he, he created Zelda based on like, you know, going out into the woods as a child. Mm, yeah. And then um, he came up with the concept of Mario Kart similarly like where it's just like he he embodies the the joy and the family and the the almost imagination of what makes nintendo so brilliant to me so we'll go back we'll go back in the way way back machine here in the playing card time so nintendo was founded as yamuchi nintendo by Fusijiro Yamuchi on September 23rd, 1889. Based in Kyoto, Japan, the business produced and marketed Hanafuda. The name Nintendo is commonly assumed to mean, quote, leave luck to heaven. Ooh. Leave luck to heaven. I don't know. But there are no <laughs> historical records to validate this assumption. The cards, which were all handmade, soon began to gain in popularity, and Yamuchi had to hire assistants to mass-produce cards to keep up with the demand. Like playing cards, like Pokemon cards or right. like baseball cards. Right, which is it's crazy to me to think that like that would have been... I mean, I guess I get it. I I've always wondered like what did people collect like way way back in the day rocks <laughs> <laughs> you just draw little eyes on yeah it. No, those googly eye yeah. rocks yeah someone made a fortune off that shit basically yeah so uh yamuchi did not have a son to take over the family business following the common japanese tradition he adopted his son-in-law sikero Kaneda, who then legally took his wife's last name of yamuchi so that's a pretty forward-thinking thing to take your wife's name back, back, back in the way, way, way times. In 1929, Fusajiro Yamuchi retired from the company and allowed Sekiro Kaneda to take over the company as president. In 1933, Sekiro Kaneda established a joint venture with another company and renamed the company Yamuchi Nintendo & Co. So, in 1947, Sekiro established a distribution company, Marufuku Co Ltd. Oh yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> to distribute the Hanafuda and several other types of cards produced by Nintendo, Sekiro Kaneda also had only daughters. So again, his son-in-law, man, they they just are they hitting you bad with uh big words? <laughs> <laughs> there are some words here, and uh, that's okay though. So um, his son-in-law. 
Shikianojo Yamuchi <laughs> was adopted into the family. Yeah, excuse me, sorry. Uh, so there were Disney tie-ins, if in case you're wondering. In 1949, Hiroshi Yamuchi attended Waseda University in Tokyo. However, after his grandfather suffered a de- de- debil- debilitating stroke, he left to take office as the president of Nintendo. In 1950, he renamed Marufuku Co. Ltd. to Nintendo Karudo. And in 1951, to Nintendo Karudo. Uh, you got this. Yeah. In <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo became the first company in Japan to produce playing cards from plastic in 1953. So not paper. Right. Hmm. In 1956, Yamuchi visited the U.S. to engage in talks with the U.S. playing card company, USPCC, the dominant playing card manufacturer in the U.S., based in Cincinnati. Interesting. I wonder if you could go there today and see the playing card I don't know. I'm assuming there's like a museum where they're like, ah, see here, this is the deck of cards that <laughs> that Noah that brought Bugsy, over from New York. <laughs> yeah, from, is it, this is the this is the playing card that Bugsy Siegel used to win a game of cribbage. Uh, so this was a turning point. For, turning point. So basically, he when he went to America, he's like, oh, they got some capitalistic ideals we can take back to the Nintendo Corps. I like I like where these guys are thinking. So in 1959, Nintendo made a deal with Disney to allow the use of Disney characters on Nintendo's playing cards. Previously, Western playing cards were regarded as something similar to Hanafuda and Mahjong, a device for gambling. By tying playing cards to Disney and selling books explaining the different games one could play with the cards, Nintendo could sell the product to Japanese households. The tie-in was a success, and the company sold at least 600,000 card packs in a single year, which is, I, I mean, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. Due to this success in 1962, Yamuchi took Nintendo public, listing the company in Osaka Stock Exchange 2nd Division. So, in 1963, Nintendo Playing Cards Co. Ltd. was renamed to Nintendo by Yamuchi. Nintendo now began to experiment in other areas of business using the newly injected capital. This included establishing a food company in partnership with two other firms with a product line featuring instant rice, a vacuum cleaner, <laughs> and ch- Chirturi, which later appeared in a two-player minigame in WarioWare. WarioWare? Mm-hmm. Like Wario, Wario Inc. Did you ever play the WarioWare games? Oh, yeah. They're like super like, oh. quick, kind of like... No, I played like Wario World. Oh, okay. Well, he's... I mean, Wario's got his whole... <laughs> All these ventures eventually failed except toy making based on some earlier experience from selling playing cards. In 1964, while Japan was experiencing an economic boom due to the Tokyo Olympics, the playing card business reached saturation. Japanese households stopped buying playing cards, and the price of Nintendo stock fell from 900 yen to 60. God damn, that's a blow. I mean, that's not even a tenth of your your total stock price. Uh, wow. In 1965, Nintendo hired Gunpei Yoki as a maintenance engineer for the assembly line. However, Yokoi soon became famous for much more than his ability to repay, repair conveyor belts. So, toys and adapting in the 60s and 70s, which they definitely had to do, 
commercial toys made by Nintendo in the late 1960s were they needed a they needed a boost. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, your stock price falls to a tenth of what you had at the time. It's basically the Nintendo struggled to survive in the Japanese toy industry, so they're they're like shit, guys. We got to do something, which was still small at this point. Even though it's small, it's still they need to capitalize. So, and are already dominated by already well-established companies such as Bandai and Tommy. Because of the generally short pr- product life cycle of toys, the company took their approach of introducing new pro- products at a quicker rate, making marking the start of a major new era for Nintendo. In 1966, Yamuchi, upon visiting one of the company's Hanafuda factories, noticed an extending arm-shaped toy which had been made by its one of its maintenance engineers. The, the claw. Af- <laughs> the <laughs> aforementioned yokoi, or gunpei yokoi, for fun. Yamuchi ordered yokoi to develop it as a proper product for the Christmas rush. Realized as the ultra hand, it became of one to <laughs> I like to get really me some at- ultra <laughs> hand when I <laughs> on a long drive. When you were playing that, would be like a hand job. <laughs> <laughs> Good God! Insert I, the quarter. <laughs> I mean, you know what? In in all in all honesty, <laughs> if there was like a hand job machine, I mean, it might help truck drivers on the long haul. Just to be like, might you know, help me fuck the truck drivers. <laughs> Respect to all the truck drivers listening. I tell you what, <laughs> if you're a truck driver and you know you want to send us a message of what you think would help out on those roads, you know, you can email us zanzizipodcast at gmail dot com. I personally feel like sex work should be legal and robots. I mean, I, you know, those things are basically secretly going to get fucked until people stop being so modest about shit. Well, the truth sex is, is kind of legal. I mean, well. I mean, look at your OnlyFans. I mean, only yeah. dads. My bad. That's yeah, true. Only dads. Mowing the lawn with a mustache, like a like uh, <laughs> only dads. It the the so, Fu Manchu. Yeah, uh, Fu Manchu. But I, I'm I'm picturing only dads with like the instead of like one of the you know how like Nintendo or Nike has the swoosh mm-hmm. the only dads is just like the handlebar mustache. Ooh, I like that. Let's it's just let's o- get rolling on OD. this. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So anyway, so this this hand job machine did really good for them. Um <laughs> uh but it became so uh, where was it? So basically even in the '60s, and I'm 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 sure Christmas in capitalism, going back in time, it's like every year there's 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 a Red Ryder BB gun, or you know what I mean, like Legos or Lincoln Logs, and then up until the '80s when we were babies and like things. I I remember the commercials, and even before we started doing this episode, we were watching old Nintendo commercials, and it's just. I mean, I understand it. It's luring me into wanting a Nintendo Entertainment System, but man, it's, it's such a tam- it's such a time capsule too. So, excuse me. Um. So basically, what happened was, like I said, they they wanted to get the the Yokoi's toy developed as 
fast as possible, and it became one of Nintendo's earliest toy blockbusters, selling over hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of units. Seeing that Yokoi had potential, Yamushi pulled him off assembly line work, and Yokoi was soon moved from maintenance duty to product development. Due to his electrical engineering background, it soon became apparent that Yokoi was quite adept at developing electronic toys. These devices had a much higher novelty value than traditional toys, allowing Nintendo to charge a higher price margin for each product. Yokoi went on to develop many other toys, including the 10 billion barrel puzzle, a baseball throwing machine called the Ultra Machine, and a love tester. Hook me up with that. <laughs> Does that come with the uh, attachable hand job uh, machine? Hand job machine? <laughs> You have a much love, sir. <laughs> anyway, Nintendo released the first solar-powered light gun, the Nintendo Beam Gun, in 1970. Now, it's interesting when they talk about all these, these different inventions, how they went on to influence future products that Nintendo did. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if this Beam Gun kind of fell into the same thing, because... I mean, you remember the the gun, the NES. Oh yeah, the orange, the orange and like yeah, gray kind well, that's of. What used for duck hunt, right? The duck hunt gun. Um, were you one of those kids that put it right up against? Oh, one hundred percent. Dude, fuck that dog. <laughs> fuck that dog. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you go right up there and just point blank. Yeah, yeah, that dog had it. Had it coming. Yeah, still does. Anyway, so Nintendo released the first solar-powered light gun, the Nintendo Beam Gun in, 19, ni beam gun in 1970. <laughs> gum. This was the first commercially available light gun for home use, produced in partnership with Sharp. Interesting. In 1972, Nintendo released the LA Conga, one of the first programmable drum machines. Hmm. Interesting. It plays pre-programmed rhythms from dish-shaped punch cards, which can be altered or program programmed by the user to play different patterns. So, like a, um, like the drum machine from like Donkey Kong, where you I can mean, like play the beats on it. I and well, then, and then there, it just goes into like Dance Dance Revolution, where you can do that thing on the mat. Did Nintendo kind of set the path for that with with that gun? I mean, it could be. It's possible. I mean, they're they're they're. This whole story is, it's, you know, and I went through the, there's a really great YouTube documentary called uh, Console Wars that talks about specifically really about the 80s and 90s era. I think I saw that. Yeah, it's, there's several, I mean, it's kind of like, especially for our demographic, it's like a constant, like, it's the history of like commercialism and capitalism in the entertainment industry for us specifically. You know, um, and I'll take this time really to, to mention this, but I was thinking about this today, too, is that, like, video gaming is really our our generation's biggest art form in some ways. It's the highest grossing entertainment industry. I mean, it, when I look around anywhere today and see, like, what is really influencing a lot of people probably primarily i mean top, the top show on tv right now is a tv remake of the video game the last of us mm -hmm. one of the biggest movies coming out next year is or this year sorry it's well, the witcher is awesome. the witcher is huge yep. um oh, 
not going to be anymore. But the Super Mario Brothers movies coming out this year. Yep. I mean that has high expectations. Sonic. The last two Sonic movies were family friendly and actually decent. The the enterprise around the video game industry is it's fervent. I mean, like there's so many fans. I mean, some of the most volatile people, but also probably the most understood entertainment industry really because it doesn't matter who you are somebody you know when they talk about phones or ipads and kids using them too much they're playing games half the time roblox minecraft Mm -hmm. i mean my daughters play them play all of them and it's i mean i guess for some people it can be a distraction but for some for i think an overall majority, it's a great escape, you know? Mm-hmm. And some of my favorite podcasts, like, and I'll shout them out right now, like Video Game Apocalypse um, on the Laser Time Network, they, they've they been doing, like, up, upwards of, like, f- 500 episodes at this point just talking about video games. And it's, like, it's a fascination I don't think will ever go away. And, and I think in in some ways it's it's the youngest of the entertainment art forms that are new now, you know, and it's evolving into VR, um, higher resolutions, better systems. I mean, when you look at the video games from when we were born to what they are now, mm-hmm. it's staggering. It's crazy. And I I can only imagine what it's going to be like in like fucking 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were like 20 VR. years ago. Yeah. It was just like, I mean, virtual fighter and polygons in an arcade and that, that fucking blasted the top of my dome off <laughs> looking at that. And now it's just like, you know, playing playing games like Halo Infinite or like uh like the top triple A title. It's like like you were saying mentioning Assassin's Creed, like yeah. those games look fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like half the time I'm just staring at the the scenery oh, dude, in those games. I, like I, I'm not a big sports player, but I've seen some of the sports games and I'm like Am I watching a video game right now, or is this an actual like game going on like real ends, life? Yeah, like and a football game. It or... tricks me a lot. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so anyway, so do 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 do. The first commercially available video game console, the Magnavox Odyssey, had a light gun accessory from 1972. The shooting gallery was the name of the the uh, accessory or game. This was the first involvement of Nintendo in video games. So interesting. So they were, and and it's interesting as we as we go on with this story how their involvement kind of crosses into, like their folly becomes the begets the, we'll say like the the opening for some someone like Sony to come in or even Xbox later on. Um. In 1973, its focus shifted to family-friendly arcades with the laser clay shooting system using the same light gun technology used in Nintendo's Kosenjuju Kosenju series of toys and set up in abandoned bowling alleys. Gaining some success, Nintendo developed some more light gun machines for the emerging arcade scene. It's kind of crazy that Nintendo got its start, really, with guns. Hmm. I mean, it, playing cards, but in well, in the video game sphere, it really evolved from light gun technology. 
While the laser clay shooting system ranges had to be shut down following excessive cost, Nintendo had founded a new market. Nintendo also began to enter the video game markets. Its first steps in that field were to acquire the rights to distribute the Magnavox Odyssey in Japan in 1974 and to release its first video arcade game, Ever Race, in 1975. In 1977, Nintendo released the Color TV Game 6 and Color TV Game 15, two consoles jointly developed with Mitsubishi Electric. The numbers in the console names indicated the amount of games included in each. Interesting. All right. We're ramping up here. <laughs> in the early 1980s, Nintendo's video game division, led by Yokoi, created some of its most famous arcade games. The massively popular Donkey Kong was designed by Shigeru Miyamoto. There he is. I mean, anything amazing, worth it, and fun in the Nintendo... I mean... Now I'm. There are a lot of great third-party developers. There's a lot of great games from all, everyone, but anything with Miyamoto always meant quality. Mm. You know, I I'm not saying I go back and play Donkey Kong regularly, but as a kid or when I go to like a retro pub or arcade, yeah, I'll definitely, you know, try to get Mario shuffling his fat ass up that <laughs> those grates to, you know, jump over barrels. It's it's a fun game. Well, actually, his name was Jumpman. Mario. <laughs> That's true. And did you know he was initially it, Nintendo wanted to make a game about Popeye, and in, rather than getting copyright infringement, they just put a you know slap a mustache on and some and suspenders. Hold a red and blue, and right, he's good to go. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then, and then, on top of that, well, and we'll get into it more. Universal ends up suing Nintendo because Donkey Kong's likeness to them, was of King Kong. Okay. Except, but, and then they threw a bow tie on him and be like, ah, oh, no, he's completely different. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's also brown and derpy looking. Anyway, so in the early 80s, like I said, Donkey Kong is released by Shigeru Miyamoto and released in arcades in 1981. Home releases soon followed with versions being made by Coleco for the Atari 2600 and television and ColecoVision video game systems. Some of Nintendo's other arcade games would also be ported to home consoles by third parties, including Donkey Kong Jr., Sky Skipper, Mario Bros., and Donkey Kong 3. Despite the success, Nintendo would start to shift more focus to the home game market. Nintendo of Japan stopped ma manufacturing releasing arcade games in Japan in fall of 1985 and withdrew its membership from the Japan Amusement Machinery Manufacturers Association on February 28, 1989. On July 31, 1992, Nintendo of America announced it would no longer manufacture arcade equipment. There was actually, in 1983, there, there was this, they called it like the video game crash. Hmm. And there was just this whole period where everyone was like, oh, God, like we're the basically. That's in that documentary, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it and it'll come up a little bit in the future, but I just wanted to kind of mention it off offhand. In addition to the arcade game quality, Nintendo was testing the consumer handheld video game waters with the Game and Watch. Do you ever see those, Mister Game and Watch? Yeah, I know that. I only know them from uh, Super Smash Bros. Well, so you can get them now, kind of like how they did the classic Super NES and and uh, Sega Genesis, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but what's interesting is that 
there's two screens on the game and watch thing. Okay. Um, like a split screen. Yeah. Well, it, that is actually what influenced later on the Nintendo DS. Okay. Or the dual screen DS or developer something I can't remember. Developer S. I'll figure it out later. Anyway. Um. You okay? You sniffling a lot. I know. I got a little bit of a runny nose. Sorry. Oh, is that a little bit of white stuff right there? <laughs> I've been doing cocaine. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, you sure, know, I'm, I'm sure reliving, I'm reliving the '80s right now. So, yeah, buddy. Uh, da, 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 so the Game and Watch is a line of handheld electronic games produced by Nintendo from 1980 to 1991, created by game designer Gunpei Yokoi. Each Game and Watch features a single game to be played on an LCD screen, in addition to a clock and/or an alarm. It was the earliest Nintendo product to garner major success with 43.4 million units sold worldwide. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, the birth of the Nez Brothers. Will it be you? Will your family be the first to witness the birth of the incredible Nintendo Entertainment System? Will you be the first to see, to touch, to play with Rob, the extraordinary video robot? He follows the commands you put on screen to help you tackle even the toughest challenge. Will you be the first to raise the incredibly accurate Zapper and play games like Duck Hunt and Hogan's Alley? The first to build a library of game packs like Kung Fu and Golf? Even games like Excite Bike that you program yourself. Will you be the first to get all this in one package? The Nintendo Entertainment System, where video technology is more than a game. What's it like to play the Nintendo Entertainment System? Entertainment system. That's why we're here, folks. Okay. <laughs> Before I get into all this information, I was going to save it for the end, but you said you had it off the top of your head. So oh, I, I'm now we, I'm we curious. We can save it for the end. You want to? I mean, yeah, we can do that. Okay. We have a tasty little question to ask each other at the end, and it has nothing to do with a hand job machine. Oh, mine does. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, <laughs> you have to stick through the info. So Nintendo developed a prototype system called the Advanced Video System, AVS. Its accessories include controllers, a tape drive, a joystick, and a light gun. The system can be used as a simple home computer. It was never released and is on display at the Nintendo World Store in New York. In July, th This came out in uh, 82, which is the year of my birth. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you have to say that every time I say 1982. I will. In July of 1983, oh. Nintendo released the family computer console in Japan as the first attempt at a cartridge-based video game console. Now, they're going to get hung up on cartridge here, but you'll hear more about that soon. So more than 500,000 units were sold within two months at around 
$100 US. After a few months of favorable sales, Nintendo received complaints that some Famicom consoles would freeze on certain games. The fault was found in a malfunctioning chip, and Nintendo decided to recall all Famicom units. My Xbox still freezes. It crashed on me last night when I was playing uh, Odyssey. Ah, and I was like, sucks. son of a bitch, thank God for autosave. I know. <laughs> we actually, you know... When you think back to those that era where you would play a oh. whole game and like a save card was was corrupt Fucking or some battle toads man oh god oh fuck me yeah we're we're living in a better time if you ever <laughs> feel like no oh, this fucking Wi-Fi is not good and my Pokemon just got raped whoa then look <laughs> I get it but at the same time. Technology is much better than it was. So the fault was found in a malfunctioning chip, as I mentioned. And they were currently, uh, they recalled all the units and that were currently on store shelves at a cost of approximately half a million dollars. Wow. Well, that's when you just pick it up and you, and you blow into it. Right. Well, we'll get to, to, to those tried and true methods. I actually heard that that did more damage than good. Probably did. But you know what? No, it fucking worked every time. I, do you ever think that maybe it was just the hope and dreams of that? Dude, it's it's putting that energy out there in the universe. That's, and being, that's like, what I meant. Work. God damn it. You fucking piece of sh- I need to get a boy in his blob to the end of this fucking level. And then you just like see that fucking Nintendo screen come down. And it's all pixelated. And you're like, no! <laughs> <laughs> Take it out again and blowing it. That's right. <laughs> During this period, Nintendo redesigned the Famicom as the Nintendo Entertainment System for launch in the U.S. Since the company had very little experience with the U.S. market, had it previously attempted to contact, uh, attempted to contract with Atari for the system's distribution in 1983. However, controversy involving Coleco and Donkey Kong soured the relationship between the two during the negotiations, and Atari refused to back Nintendo's console. <laughs> Excuse me. That's bananas. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Atari, if they would go back, if they would try to, like, I don't know, kind of refigure that whole thing. I'm, I'm sure they would. In 1983 to 85, a larger-scale recession in video game, this is what I mentioned before, recession in video game sales hit the market, which amounted to a 97% decrease, primarily in the North American area. Whew. The recession known as the video game crash of 1983 was caused by a few main factors, including the flooding of the console market, competition of home computers, inflation, and loss of publishing control. The video game crash of 1983 soon took out not only Atari, but the vast majority of the American market itself. Over time, dominance in the market shifted from America to Japan. Nintendo began exporting to America and virtually only one major competitor in the market. Sega, which was another Japanese company. Sega. Sega does what Nintendo don't. (laughs) Um, Nintendo was determined not to make the same mistakes in the U.S. that Atari had because of massive influxes of games that were regarded as some of the worst ever created. Gaming had almost completely died out in America. Nintendo decided that to avoid facing the same problems, they would only allow games that received their, quote, seal of quality to be sold for the Famicom. And so, in the year of our Lord, 1985, Nintendo announced they were releasing... My birthday. There you go. Happy birthday, Mike. Nintendo announced they were releasing the Famicom... 
family computer worldwide with a different design under the name the Nintendo Entertainment System. They used a creative tactic to counter the bad view that the media was given on video games and released the NES with Rob units that connected to the console and were synchronized yes. to the games. To ensure the localization of the highest quality games by third-party developers, Nintendo of America limited the number of game titles third-party developers could release in a single year to five. Konami, the first third-party company that was allowed to make cartridges for the Famicom, would later circumvent this rule by creating a spin-off company, Ultra Games, to re release additional games in a single year. Other manufacturers soon employed the same tactic. Also, in 1985... Super Mario Brothers was released for the Famicom in Japan and became a large success. Nintendo test marketed the Nintendo Entertainment System in New York area on October 18, 1985. They expanded the test to L.A. in February of 1986, followed by tests in Chicago and San Francisco. They would go national by the end of 1986, along with 15 games sold separately. In the U.S. and Canada, it's out, it outsold its competitors by a wide margin. This was also the year that Metroid and The Legend of Zelda were released to much critical acclaim. Awesome. Great games. In 1988, Nintendo of America unveiled Nintendo Power, which I had a subscription to. I did, too. In fact, they... I think I read... I. I sometimes like to go back and reread the classics, but if there is one thing that I read every word of, it was my Nintendo Power yeah. back in the day. And, uh, I had the Nintendo Power where it would have like, I don't know, this is too much information. Fuck it, probably is. You're good. Well, this is little Mikey still... Um, you know, discovering his body, and they had a picture like a Peach Princess Peach on there. Oh yeah, and I may have uh, got excited, got just a little excited, and uh, I get you. Yeah. Hey man, I remember when someone told me there was a code to make Lara Croft's boobies <laughs> pop out in Tomb Raider, and you know I was all about it. So I'm still all about it. <laughs> Rule 34. I want to raid her tomb. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, Nintendo Power, a monthly news and strategy magazine from Nintendo that served to advertise new games. The first issue published was the July-August edition, which spotlighted the NES game Super Mario Brothers 2, which is kind of an interesting story behind this. Hmm. Super Mario USA in Japan. Nintendo Power has since ceased publication since December 2012. Hmm. That sucks. Hmm. So Nintendo, which had much success from the Game & Watch, released the Game Boy in 89, created by also this goddamn Gunpei Yokoi. This guy, talk about hitting the lottery with somebody just working the main floor on the assembly line. Literally, this guy came up with so much stuff. So along with the accompanying game Tetris which i mean Tetris was i that i remember having a game boy in in like early 90s and that was the one time i saw my dad actually pick up my video games and just like completely turn off for like an hour hmm. just like listening to that russian music and watching blocks fall do, 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 do. <laughs> Yes, in Russia, we have very much time to just sit and watch block. So, 
due to the price, the game and its durability, unlike the prior Microvision from Milton Bradley Company, which was prone to static and screen rot, the Game Boy line sold extremely well, eventually amassing sales of 118 million units. That's insane. Big old comeback. Yeah. Super Mario Land was also released with a system which sold 14 million copies worldwide. 1989 was also the year that Nintendo announced a sequel to the Famicom called Super Famicom or Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. The last major first-party game for NES was the Super Mario Brothers 3, or Super Mario Brothers 3. It was released in early 1990 in North America and went on to sell over 18 million units. It was followed by a licensed television adaptation named the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Which, I mean, you can watch those online if you want. I think both the guy that played Mario and Luigi are dead now. But, um... <laughs> Which is sad. But they're, <laughs> Too soon? I guess. I don't know. No, no. It's, it is it is what it is. But they, it, it's, uh, it's a time capsule of, like, early 90s TGIF culture. It's, it's, There's lots of singing in it. There is surprisingly yeah. a lot. I, it's on YouTube. I think I saw an episode like a couple months ago. Uh, it's Mario, and it, there's lots of singing and dancing. Yeah, I, I I will say they definitely leaned into the Italianness of and the plumber plumber v- variety of of the Mario and Luigi characters. So, whew. so Super Mario Three. That was a fucking game, man. Completely I re- different from the first Mario game. It, it was, and it was pretty, and, you know, just put your fucking Tanuki suit on. And, yeah. And Kita had a big problem with that game. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because, you know, you're wearing an animal's carcass. Oh, Jesus. Get out of here, vegans. <laughs> but, I mean, look, it's a video game. I get it. I, I don't like harm to animals. I I I get your perspective. Um but as a kid, that was a huge step. I do remember the yeah. like the going I mean I loved Mario one on the NES. The like wing and you could fucking fly, fly throughout the entire the level. Whistles oh, and, so good. Also, I think the color I mean, they really pushed those games, mm-hmm. especially when it was a Nintendo game. Like, you could tell a difference when you were playing like a subpar third-party developed rental game that you got at Blockbuster versus like a <laughs> like a real good like Nintendo game. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but um, so Super Mario Three was a huge success. The Super Famicom was released in Japan on November twenty-one. 1990, the system's launch was widely successful, and the Super Famicom was sold out across Japan within three days, selling 1.6 million units. In August of 1991, the Super Famicom was launched in the U.S. under the name Super Nintendo Entertainment System, followed by Europe in 1992. I feel bad for those countries that have to wait. Like, you know, like something cool comes out and then they well, now like, everything cool comes out in like Australia and we have to wait. I know. Fucking Australia. We have things rough down here because we're in Australia hopping in our kangaroos. Crikey. 
That was so fucking bad that I... I, uh, I love it. It's I great. Know. We all love it. Oh, jeez. So the Super Nintendo Entertainment System followed in the steps of its predecessor with high technical specifications for its era. The controller of the SNES had also improved over that of the NES. And I remember that controller was, I still love that controller. Is that the, uh, it's got more like a circular side on either side. Oh, yeah. Cause like the NES is like just a rectangle. Yeah. Yep. And then the, the step up was just, it was a, a smoother controller, like, a, like a, the contour of the buttons kind of the way it, the way it, kind of sets in your hand it just i don't know i i still like i feel like i like that controller probably still the best it it, it fits like directly in the palm of your hand yeah it's, it's designed for your hand to, to be held un, unlike the horizontal brick that you got yeah 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 so they they improved the controller the graphics i mean we're, we're jumping from 8-bit to 16 uh the controller had rounded edges and a f and four new buttons, a standard which is evident on many modern controllers today. The controller was called the dog bone, which I get that because it is kind of like shaped like a dog bone-ish. Mm. Nintendo had begun development on a CD-ROM attachment for the SNES or Super Famicom. Its first partner in this project was Sony, which had provided the SNES with its SPC sound chip developed on the Nintendo PlayStation CD-ROM add-on and a SNES SFC standalone hybrid console began. However, at the last minute, Nintendo decided to pull out of the partnership and instead go with Philips. And while no CD-ROM add-on was produced, several Nintendo proper properties, namely The Legend of Zelda, appeared on the Philips CDI, which... There's something to Google. Are the Legend of Zelda and Mario games that came up on the came out on the Philips CDI? It's like some of the most. It's why. It's why you don't want like a <laughs> subpar company to put out a game, like you know, you want quality when it comes to Mario. I mean, there's a huge difference between looking at something like a Mario Brothers three. And then, like, E.T., the movie video game for the oh, NES. Like, horrible. <laughs> God-awful so, game. So. Keep dying. Keep yeah, falling down those fucking holes. E.T., no, want, live. <laughs> In Japan, the Super Famicom easily took control of the gaming market. In the U.S., due to a late start and an aggressive marketing campaign, campaign by Sega, headed by the Sega company's new mascot, Sonic the 90s Hedgehog. Or the Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, it is such a clash because I remember growing up and being like, man, Mario's just like a plumber who eats mushrooms. And Sonic, he's got cool shoes. And he and goes he, fucking and fast. And he goes he's fast. A hedgehog. And I know. And it's dude. like, it's, and he's like radical. He's like, hey, kids, it's me, Sonic. Mario can fucking eat his ass. <laughs> I'm cool as shit. Watch me spin. And you got to go up and like fucking like uh, big old robots and everything. And you got to free. You basically free bunnies. Free bunnies. The vegans yeah. are back. Yeah. They're like, cool. Yeah. We're cool. in now. We're in now. <laughs> Except why are those in <laughs> bunnies in containment? <laughs> 
It turns now out, we're turns now out, we're back to being angry again. It turns out, <laughs> Mister <laughs> Doctor Robotnik, he's just like a prolific vegan. He was just keeping them in like a well maintained environment and feeding them well. And then Sonic just destroys everything, so that yeah. they're like, oh, "Cool, well, this bunny's dead now." Sonic is actually the bad guy. Yeah. I'd like to. I like those when they, because I know there was, and it, I mean, we could talk about the DS, uh, and we will eventually. But like, there was that game called like Bowser's Behind the Scenes Story, where it's like hmm. they, whenever they flip the story, I always think it's really fun. Like, kind of, I mean, that's what Wicked is essentially. It's the Wizard of Oz, but from the bad guy's perspective. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I that's just a. Just de- video game developers, if you're listening to this, you know, flip the script. It's fun. I, I, I'm all about like video game character origins. I fucking love it. I do too. So Nintendo's market share plunged from 90 to 95 percent with the NES to a low of approximately 35 percent against the Sega Genesis. Over the course of several years. The SNES in North America eventually overtook the Genesis thanks to franchise titles such as Super Mario World, The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, Street Fighter 2, which I never knew this, but Street Fighter 2 is what inspired Midway to create Mortal Kombat. Really? Yeah. They were like, fuck, we need a game where we hit people. Yeah, and then their movies then they're like, also followed Street <laughs> Fighter's movies were just god-awful. I know, but I would <laughs> so- argue Mortal Kombat is watchable. The '90s Mortal Kombat movie. Watchable, it's watchable. It's it's so laughable. Get over here. But a few tall, you know, (laughs) glasses of water and a and or a a spike off of a uh, what the English might call a rickety Roy. Uh, it could be a fun watch. So anyway, check it out. Also, the Final Fantasy series came from Mm. that era. So total worldwide sales of the SNES reached forty nine point. One million units, eclipsing the estimated 40 million unit sales of the Genesis. As the SNES battled the Sega Genesis, Nintendo was running into problems on another front caused by their own aggressive marketing behavior. In 1991, Nintendo agreed to a settlement regarding price-fixing allegations brought by the Federal Trade Commission and Attorney General in New York and Maryland. Nintendo had been accused of threatening to cut off shipments of the NES to retailers who discounted the price of the system. The estimated cost of the settlement was just under $30 million. So let people have sales, Nintendo. They're, they're kind of stingy when, I, when it comes to that. It feels like even to this day. Yeah. Like they're like, Mario Raven Rabbids, the new game, oh, just today, $10 off. screaming rabbits. I can't <laughs> fucking do it. Well, I just like... Those like things like Steam sales and uh, even like PlayStation and Xbox sales just they basically th- throw Nintendo under the bus when it comes to sales because like unless you're getting something used from like a video game store like Nintendo's very rarely having sales that are like well beneficial. Nintendo only sticks to I mean they they don't do a whole lot of like cr- like cross platform stuff do they not really but. Um, I'd argue that Nintendo is still kind of the king of uh, multiplayer, though, when it comes to systems. But um, so in '92, Gunpei Yoko and the rest of the R&D one began planning on a new stereoscopic 3D console to be called the Virtual Boy. That did not go well. In 1993, Nintendo announced plans to 
to develop a new 64-bit console codenamed Project Reality, capable of rendering fully 3D environments and characters. In 1994, Nintendo also claimed that Project Reality would be renamed Ultra 64. The Ultra 64 moniker was unveiled in arcades on the Nintendo-branded fighting game Killer Instinct and the racing game Cruising USA. I loved Cruising USA. Mm -hmm. I always think of Daytona, or yeah, was it Daytona? NASCAR. There was one that was like <laughs> Daytona, but I could be there. There, there was versions of like Cruising USA, like the driving games in arcades when you go to like Studio Twenty Eight or whatever. Never turn right. Mm mm. Never. That's how you die. <laughs> Specifically, only Konami would have the rights to release games for the new system called Ultra Football, Ultra Tennis, etc. Therefore, in 95, Nintendo changed the final name of the system to Nintendo 64 and announced oh, that it would be... love Nintendo 64. I do, too. That was, that's a great system. And it would be released in 1996. I remember that, that Christmas of 96 was just a fucking joy. Mm-hmm. They later showed previews of the system in several games, including Super Mario 64, to the media and public. Also in 1995, Nintendo purchased part of Rare, which Rare was like the big yeah. the big dog for them. I knew Rare from like Banjo and Kazooie. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that was 64. But yeah, no, I, yeah, like, and then they did Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in 1994, after many years of Nintendo's products being distributed in Australia by Mattel since the NES. In 1985, Nintendo opened its Australian headquarters, and its first managing directors were Graham Carey, who moved along from Mattel Australia as managing director, and Susumu Tanaka of Nintendo UK Limited. So they did release the Virtual Boy, but it sold piss poor. Uh, let's talk about the N64. On June 23, 1996, the N64 was released in Japan, selling over 500,000 units on the first day of its release. Uh, on September 29th, 1996, Nintendo released the N64 in North America, selling out the initial shipment of 350,000. Many said that the advertising onslaught by Sony at this time did not truly begin to take effect until many of the consumers who held out for the N64 became frustrated at the lack of software following the first few months after the system's release. They didn't have a lot of games, and I remember that. They had an expansion pack. Well, for, no, for Donkey Kong 64, you right. actually had to buy... I believe it was an expansion or a memory card, an extra memory yeah. card for that. Yeah. First um, time they ever did that. They did that, and then Star Fox 64 was the big oh. one when it came out with the rumble pack that you yeah. jam up into the urethra of the... Do a barrel roll. <laughs> ...of the Ninja Turtle hand controller. Fuck Slippy. If I go down, I'm taking you with me. <laughs> Fuck you, Andros. I'm a bunny. <laughs> uh... Many of those third-party companies cited cheaper development and manufacturing costs of the CD format versus the cartridge format. On December 1st, 1999, Nintendo released the 64DD add-on peripheral to the N64 in Japan, although it was never released elsewhere. So there was, like, there... I think they held on to cartridges because it was just part of their... So, it was just part of their motif, and... You know, everybody else is kind of like, Sonic, CDs, music, DJ, DJ, new metal. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the 90s. Like, it was hard for us to break out of that nostalgia of 
what a Nintendo system was. And it had become a fixture of like, I mean, I don't know about you, but it felt like anytime you went over to a friend's house, there was a Super Nintendo or a Sega in yeah. My a grandma system. had those. I right. remember. Like, like you said. <laughs> or a PC. Like, I, I, they haven't been brought up an, a lot since we've been going through the history here, but like, I remember a lot of friends playing PC games too, like mm-hmm. Diablo, StarCraft. Yeah. So, uh, Nintendo followed with the release of the Game Boy Pocket in the 90s during the N64 era, a smaller version of the original Game Boy designed by Gunpei Yokoi. As a final product, a week after the release of the Game Boy Pocket, he resigned from his position at Nintendo. He then helped in the creation of the competing handheld Wonderswan. Interesting. So, on October 13th, 1998, the Game Boy Color was also released in Japan with releases in North America and Europe. GameCube. So good. Nintendo released the Game Boy Advance in Japan on March 21st, 2001, followed by the North American launch on July or June 11th, and the European launch on June 22nd. Nintendo released the GameCube home video game console on September 14th, 2001. So you know, three days after 9/11. Interesting. Bold move. I I mean, the nation was mourning, and we needed to we needed some Mario Double Dash. Was that Mario Kart Double Dash? Was on that? Was that the? Oh uh, yeah, yeah it was. Okay, yep. You got it. <laughs> I got your back, buddy. I mean, do you remember those CDs? That you would take out of the uh, that little book that it came with, like yeah, I felt like I was gonna break it every yeah. single time because you'd bend it to mm-hmm. get it out, and it's like this is it. I'm gonna lose Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like and and it was weird too because it was such a weird format, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was cool. It was nice that finally. I liked how it was like a lunch pail because it had the little handle on the side. I never used it for that. I I, uh, I felt like I was going to break it each time I like I picked it up. It was so light and, and I, so fragile. And I think because of Discman or the Discman's like CD players that people would have that they would carry around with like the shock absorbers, it still skipped. So like I mm-hmm. just assumed if I was going to walk around with it like I was carrying my Flintstones lunch pail, I was just going to set it down and it was going to skip or something was going to break. Um, they did have a Game Boy expansion, uh, like a. Mm-hmm. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? I like, think that was for N64. No, th- no, it was, no. Th- then if it was, then it was also for GameCube as well. They had a. Uh, it was like this black box that attached underneath the uh, GameCube, and you could play your Game Boy games. Oh wow! On there. Interesting. We had that. Very cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean. Did you stay with like Game Boy like up until the DS and uh I stayed with Game Boy um from like the original brick is that the 1996 mm-hmm. um well 1989 I think is when the okay. original yeah 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 <laughs> um that would just suck your batteries dry mm-hmm. um so I stuck with that all the way up to the uh Nintendo uh Game Boy Advance and then I was playing like a lot of Final Fantasy, and then that was stolen, sucked, um, bastards. Seriously. Uh, and then I think that's kind of where I stopped with handheld Nintendo mm. mm-hmm. games. 
Well, I have a theory about that, and I'll kind of get about into who that. stole my game. Yep, it was the Hamburglar. He switched to electronics in the late nineties. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Rabble, rabble. So, <laughs> Nintendo releases GameCube in January of two thousand two. Minoru Arakawa resigned as president. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> sorry, no. It, it was it was a thing. Tatsumi Kiminishama was his successor. During the same year, May 2002, Nintendo and Chinese-American scientist Dr. Wei Yen co-founded IQ to manufacture and distribute official Nintendo consoles and games for the mainland Chinese market under the IQ brand. Nintendo's aggressive business tactics in Europe would catch up on them. Sorry. The European Commission determined that Nintendo had engaged in anti-competitive price-fixing business practice dating at least as far back as the early 1990s. This resulted in a heavy fine being laid against the company. $149 million. Shit. That's not a lot about the GameCube, but the GameCube was the system that I got. So I want to say... I mean, before GameCube, we've got N64, and I, I had all these systems, but there were definitely big breaks for me mm-hmm. from video games. It always c- coincided with me being comfortable in my situation that I started to play more games, if that makes any sense. No. Uh, well, I guess the best way I can describe it was like, I got a GameCube when I got settled Finally, like one day I went into like a video game store and I was like, what's good on this system? And they were like, mm-hmm. man, if you ain't played Resident Evil 4, you ain't living. <laughs> so I, I literally got Resident Evil 4 on a GameCube like one day off I had while I was in the service at the time. Took it home and he was right. I did not stop playing Resident Evil 4 until I beat that fucker. And that was like the, the funnest fucking pizza fueled beer gut rot weekend of my life. Hey Ryan, did you get laid when you were uh, when you were docked? No, I just no. I'm in a comfortable spot, which means I bought <laughs> video games, and now I'm cool with it. Okay, when I'm getting pussy, I don't play a lot of games. Anyway, so we times in May 2004, Nintendo announced plans to release a new brand of handheld unrelated to the Game Boy, featuring two screens, one of which was ton- touch sensitive. The Nintendo tongue D sensitive tongue sensitive. Yep. Oh. The Nintendo DS, or dual screen, released on November 21st, 2004, received, received over 3 million pre-orders. Wow. But that's just it. You know, Nintendo had this through line. They were they made the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, you know? And it's like, yeah, if, if they're the ones making the quality product, we want it. You know, it's like with when it comes to film when james cameron puts out an avatar movie people fucking swarm in so in addition to the touch screen the ds can also create three-dimensional graphics similar to those on the n64 although its lack of hardware support for texture filtering results in more pixelated graphics than on the n64 what console is this the nintendo ds oh did you ever have a ds uh no no i didn't either i skipped that i did too I, but, I mean, some will argue it's the best handheld ever. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, on May 14, 2005, Nintendo opened its first retail store accessible to the general public, Nintendo World Store at the Rockefeller Center in New York City. and consists of two stories and contains many kiosks of GameCube, Game Boy Advance, and Nintendo DS games. There are also display cases filled with things from Nintendo's past, including Hanafuda, Nintendo's first product. They celebrated the opening with a block party at Rockefeller Plaza. At E3 in May 2005, Nintendo displayed the first prototype for their next-generation system, codenamed Nintendo Revolution, now known as the Wii. Its controller revealed at the Tokyo Game Show later that year. On January 26, 2006, Nintendo announced a new version of their Nintendo DS handheld, the Nintendo DS Lite, designed to be smaller and lighter with a brighter screen. And that was kind of the thing, is that the original DS was kind of a brick. Mm -hmm. And for most people, it was something to do on the train or to do on the bus on your way to work. And they had that thing, Street Pass, where you could see other people who were playing their DSs, which is kind of a unique feature and in a lot of ways having like the built-in kind of the wi-fi enabled system before phones and things like that became a big thing nintendo i think it was nintendo color actually had that really yeah but, well, game boy color oh yeah, yeah i'm sorry yeah. game boy color they had that like that little sensor on top of the game boy and you could uh you didn't have to i remember this with pokemon Mm-hmm. You didn't have to have a connection cord anymore to trade Pokemon or to battle somebody. You just had to link up your, like, yeah, like that. <laughs> put our e six together, e six together, and, and and we could do it like that. Yeah. Well, that's that. I mean, these were big. This is again, and and I mean, if you look at it, I mean, you have things like Super Nintendo, Nintendo kind of introducing the two controller up to the four controller handhelds pushing even though virtual boy was a failure it by no means meant that they weren't going to reuse that technology for things that would become more critically praised in the future yeah you know and nintendo has a a knack for evolving and the wii to me i don't remember ever really caring but i but when I saw the first footage of people playing Wii Sports, I was like, bingo. Yep. And everybody and their grandma was playing that fucking thing when it came out. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I, so uh, the Wii was my last Nintendo thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I get that. I, I, I went to college and then I started to get into girls yeah. late, late in life. <laughs> Like actually talking to them, uh, and then I kind of got when I got back on, you know, consoles. It was you know I was on the uh, Almighty Xbox. <laughs> no, so. I get. I, I mean, I have an Xbox and a Switch now, but um, the only reason I have a Switch is because I wanted my my kids to experience the joy yeah. of you know Mario Kart and. And if I had Nintendo. kids, I would one hundred percent go back to Nintendo. Oh yeah, for I'm sure. I'm not saying like Nintendo is just for kids, but no, I think it's more family friendly it and it has i mean that's been a through line for nintendo is i mean even when mortal Kombat came on came out the big controversy at the time was that sega had a a a code you could enter so you could see the blood and gore of the arcade Mm -hmm. whereas nintendo was like "Mm, we're family friendly we'll just make it sweat that comes off people you know there's so much sweat (laughs) (laughs) um 
So the in mid-September 2006, during press conferences held in Tokyo, New York, and London on 13, 14, and 15 September, respectively, Nintendo announced launch details for its Wii console, as well as demonstrated features of the Wii menu. The system was first released on November 19, 2006 in the U.S., followed by the Japanese launch on December 2nd. The Australian launch on December 6th and the European launch on December 8th. The console sold fast and was a big breakthrough for Nintendo, picking up the pace lost from their last console, the GameCube. The success of the Wii has been attributed to the intended market of the product, while at the time most competitors were focusing on more adult and fan-based games, Nintendo decided to release a console for a larger demographic, one including casual gamers, children, and those who wouldn't ordinarily play video games. Since no other major gaming console was marketing for this image, these other companies were caught mostly unprepared for the, by the success of the Wii system. Um, and it wasn't until 2010 that Sony and Microsoft released consoles targeting the same demographic as the Wii. On September 17, 2007, Nintendo of America closed its official forums, the Insider Forums, indefinitely due to a major overhaul of their sites. For months prior, cutbacks in Nintendo of America's online department led to the trimming back of the Insider's chat hours and replacement of their annual Camp Hyrule event held during August with the sweepstakes. In the meantime, Nintendo encouraged fans to run their own forums. Nintendo Europe's forum section of their site was officially closed down a week later due to a site revamp. However, it has been offline citing security issues since June of that year. On December 19, 2007, Nintendo opened a forum for technical support only. So on November 1st, 2008, Nintendo released an updated version of the Nintendo DS Lite in Japan, the Nintendo DSi. It includes all features of the Nintendo DS Lite, but it includes a camera on the inside and outside of the system and newer features. It is the first handheld game system manufactured by Nintendo that allows downloadable gaming content to the system. The Nintendo DSi was released April 2nd, 2009 in Australia and Asia, April 3rd, 2009 in Europe, and April 5th. 2009 in america now the wii u and the 3ds wii u i never got i had a maybe one person i knew who had a wii u Mm. it seemed cool i just was like what did that look like again it was very bulky like you had the big oh it's like a precursor to the switch there was the the switch but there was also like uh okay so is as soon as re- okay so project cafe was announced in 2011 and soon revealed later as the wii u an hd console with a new controller the gamepad the same so the gamepad was this big yeah. hunky donkey yeah okay and the wii u suffered confusing marketing it had a lack of third-party support and very slow consumer adop- adoption so that was kind of a thing with the N64 too, is that you don't get a lot of games, you know, like PlayStation and Xbox didn't make it so hard to adopt to the, the new hardware. You know, they could churn out software a lot quicker with things like cartridges in the past. And then the CDs where people were mostly using CDs cause they could put more information on them. Nintendo kept sticking to kind of these, these old formulas. They would have, they would evolve, but it would just be tricky to play good with Nintendo when it came to making things. So 
During the Nintendo 3DS and Wii U era, Nintendo's profits fell to lows not seen during the history their history as a video game manufacturer, reporting their first net loss as a video game company in 2012. Despite initially claiming that mobile gaming was inco- incompatible with Nintendo's identity, Iowata, the president, established a partnership with mobile developers DNA, D, DENA to create mobile games based on Nintendo properties prior to his death. So, Tatsumi Kish. Kiminishimama was named as his replacement. <laughs> God, I'm not his s- mother. Yeah, I am sorry to any Japanese listeners. I've, I'm sure I've been butchering these names, but we're almost done. So I want to talk about the Switch in present day. After beginning the conceptual phase of development in 2012, Nintendo announced in a March 2015 press conference that they were developing a dedicated video game system codenamed NX. According to Reggie, who was kind of the head Reggie is i don't know if you've he's watched a spokesman yeah he's it? just yeah. he's just the guy who's like yeah nintendo rules the system was a make or break console for the company's success as it was apparent that the wii u's lifespan would be considerably shorter than average in april 2016 they revealed that the nx was set for a march 2017 release the nx was formally unveiled as the nintendo switch in october of 2016 a hybrid console able to switch between portable and home console play in a January 2017 event, Nintendo revealed more details about the N- Nintendo Switch. The Nintendo Switch was released on March 3rd, 2017. In April 2019, uh, the uh, it, oh yeah, it, so it was also released in China, and the console released in the region that December. So following the failure of the 1993 Super Mario Brothers film, Nintendo was wary of creating films based off their franchises, though the virtual console service inspired them to pursue other utilizations of the popular software, including film. A partnership between Nintendo and Sony Pictures for a computer-animated Mario film was leaked in 2014. Though Nintendo announced in January 2018 they would be partnering with Illumination to produce an animated Mario film. Illumination's the people that made the uh, Despicable Me movies, the fucking banana people minions. The Um, worst. Yeah. So, produced by Shigeru (laughs) Miyamoto, (laughs) the hero of Nintendo, (laughs) and Chris Melodondri, and distributed by Universal Pictures titled The Super Mario Brothers Movie, the film will be released on April 7th, 2023, starring Chris Pratt as Mario. You know what? I'm not a fan. I know. I like Chris Pratt. I do, too. I just, like, does he have to lead everything right now? uh, And, like, I've seen the trailer. I've only seen it once. I only need to see it once because I'm only going to see that. Uh, I'm kind of hyped for... for, um, I think Jack Black. Jack Black yeah. is Bowser. Yeah, he sounds good. He does. Sounds now, great. See, why couldn't they take the the guy that and I don't know his name, but the guy that actually voices uh, Mario, and put him into? Uh, I mean, to me, that's a no brainer. I don't know why they're not doing it that way. Yeah. You mean the guy's iconic? His voice is yeah. perfect for it. But I, I guess they do need a. Uh, um, a big Hollywood star to help promote the movie, and maybe that's why they're doing it. Yeah, I mean, I guess the guy that does the voice of Mario is going to be in it, but just not as Mario. 
Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Is he Luigi? <laughs> no, uh, that's Charlie Day, I guess. Is it Charlie Day? So, yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to see. Yeah, it. yeah you know. <laughs> it'll be good i think it'll be good we'll see we'll see maybe we'll do a follow-up episode on it when it comes out do a little review cast in april of 2018 shuntaro Furukawa succeeded kinemishi as kimishimnam oh, god guys i'm sorry it's it's the end of the night the end of the episode i'm words are starting to jumble so as nintendo president and in february of the next year doug bowser replaced Reggie as president and Bowser. Is that where Bowser comes from? No, it's just a I think it's just a unique thing. No, wait, wait. No, it wouldn't because Bowser dates way back. Mm-hmm. So okay. Never mind. So uh he was uh in charge of Nintendo of America. Um Value at Capital, a San Francisco based investment firm, announced in April twenty twenty they had purchased wow, one point one billion worth of Nintendo stock or a two percent stake of the company. In May 2022, the public investment fund of the Saudi government purchased a 5% stake in Nintendo. Furukawa claimed in February of 2021 that the Nintendo Switch was, quote, in the middle of its life cycle. In 2021, Furukawa said Nintendo plans to explore animated adaptations of the franchises beyond the Super Mario Bros. movie. Nintendo announced its acquisition of SRD co LTD in February of 2022, who had worked with Nintendo for over 40 years, primarily as a support studio. In July, Nintendo announced its acquisition of the Japanese animation studio Dynamo Pictures, Inc., and renamed the studio to Nintendo Pictures Co. LTD following the closure of its acquisition in October. In January 2020, hotel and restaurant development company Plan C Do announced their intent to refurbish the former <laughs> headquarters of Marufuku Nintendo as a hotel set to open midway through 2021. And in June of 2021, Nintendo announced that the Yuji Oguro plant in which the company's playing cards were produced would be transformed into a museum titled Nintendo Gallery to be completed by the end of the fiscal 2023 year. Now, that hotel... Yesterday, I saw pictures of it. Yeah. And the food looks really good. But mm-hmm. I'm like, it doesn't look like McDonald's-like burgers. <laughs> but when you actually get one, it's it looks like, some, like an elephant sat on it. Yeah. And I can only... And the hotel looks really nice. But I can only imagine that place must reek of, like, sweaty kids and... Yeah. Like, stale french fries. People who need to be pulled aside and told, like, you should, you should probably take a shower, but you should probably take a shower, and you're not allowed to have. Have you kids. heard of deodorant? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I should mention there, there. Uh, according to what I read, there is a theme park opening for Super Mario World, Nintendo themed, uh, theme parks. Which I feel like I'm surprised uh, that's not hasn't been open sooner. I I mean, there's one in Japan supposedly, but now there's going to be one in Florida. Of course, so, in Florida. <laughs> uh, those things are great. I mean, I I feel like in past podcast episodes we theorized a Super Mario Brothers theme park, probably in 2016, um, or even before that. If I'm if I'm going back to like Beer City Spaceship, but um, yeah, I mean that's Nintendo in a nutshell. As as it is, I I they're the to me they're the the grandfathers of of 
video games and they always will be kind of the family friendly version of it. Mm-hmm. And I do know that um, Kirby from the Kirby franchise was named after the lawyer that defended Nintendo when they won the settlement against really? uh, Universal when they tried to sue them for Donkey Kong being. That's a legacy, man. That's yeah. Kirby amazing. Kirby was like, nah, this is our gorilla, not your stupid King Kong. And they were so grateful they named it uh, after the lawyer. But um, I love that. I I love that. That's awesome. I and I, I like I love I love Kirby. Yeah. Love Kirby. It's a good it's a good character. I mean, I heard the newest Switch game on uh Kirby like Forgotten Kingdom or Lands. Or I don't like new Kirby. I like old Kirby. <laughs> like he gets hats now. I no. liked it when he sucked stuff up and ate it and like 16 bit not Hell this yeah. shit now no i'm an old man now man i, I like, get I, it i, I get it <laughs> Every, anything that's new i just i have to rip on it three favorite nintendo games oh man um i actually wrote them down while we were uh casting here okay uh, let me pull it up um, right on so three favorite do you have yours as well i do awesome uh three favorite this is for the game boy the brick one the <laughs> game boy uh, what is it called? Game Boy. Is it just Game Boy? Yeah. Um, and that game is called Spiritual Warfare. Okay. And now that's a game that um, I asked for. I came from a very spiritual Christian conservative family. Right. And so you're this guy walking around throwing fruits of the spirits at people like uh, bananas a boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. And uh, then you get to fight Satan at the end. So it's pretty sweet. Wow. Um, yeah, I never beat him. Uh, <laughs> you never can. Uh, second game is, oh, I loved Metroid Prime for mm-hmm. the... Uh, um, Super Nintendo? No, GameCube. GameCube, okay. GameCube, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the first, like, uh, the 3D. Yeah. And they kind of switched from, first like, the shooter. side-scroller yeah. to a first person. Yeah. Yep. And cool. I played the hell out of that game. Okay. Like to the point where I didn't have to listen to the music anymore. I would listen to Modest Mouse. And nice. Now, whenever I listen to um, good news for people who love bad news, mm-hmm. I think I'm playing Metroid. All That's the time cool. Now. That's awesome. Third game is uh, Pokemon Red. Right on. Oh, man. That was Miyamoto, too. He created Pokemon. He created, I mean, Every great thing that Nintendo did when it came to software really came from Miyamoto. Yeah. Oh man, that game and trying to get Mew. Yeah. Still, still trying to get Mew. He's still. under that truck. <laughs> <laughs> She's under that truck. That's that's crazy. Um, my three, and I guess in no particular order, I'd say Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past for the Super Nintendo was a huge thing. That when I got my Super Nintendo, it came with that game, and I sunk. Just hours and hours and hours into Zelda. Um, I would say also Super Mario Kart for the Super Nintendo was a game changer. Ooh, yeah, uh, It's just crazy to hear about how, you know, really they didn't have a 3D technology to create the driving and the course, but they were able to do so much with so little. And that's really the story of Nintendo is really focusing on replayability and the battle mode was such a big deal like i just i loved that game do you um, play drunken mario kart 
Oh, I'm sure I did at some point. You want to play it next month? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, and then I would say my third in, in as far as favorite Nintendo games of all time would probably have to be Final Fantasy three. Mm. Um, as a and it, I if if we're going with the Super Nintendo, then we'd have to say also theoretically Final Fantasy six. Um, that was kind of my introduction to the Final Fantasy franchise, and I just loved it. And role playing games have come far into things like Elden Ring nowadays, but like it was just a there was just such a comfort to playing a game with a story like Zelda, and maybe the story wasn't some crazy fantastical thing, but it involved you. And as a kid, like it really expanded my taste into the things that I like now. And, LARPing. Um, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make a joke. I love LARPing. <laughs> I've never done it, but I want to. Um, well, that's it, folks. Um, I, I guess out of all the systems, I was, I would say my heart really goes with the Super Nintendo. That do, that was the one for me. Do you have an uh, Instagram or a Facebook page? Or? We do. If you want to check us out, you can check out the Zanzizi podcast on Instagram. I have that. It's up now. Uh, not now. It's not up now as when we're recording because it's January now. But when this episode comes out, it'll be full out. You guys should rate and review five stars on Spotify, uh, Apple, every whatever podcast device you use. Recommend to a friend. Share it. Five stars. We'll shout you out on the show. And then also, I think we and everyone else would love to know your top three video games and your top three uh uh, consoles or what have you? Yeah, I oh, uh, from in, from Nintendo, of course. I or, mean, or wherever. Well, no, I I said my my three games: uh, Zelda, Link to the Past, Mario Kart, and Super Mario Kart, and uh, Final Fantasy III. Uh, I would with a honorable mention. Oh no, I didn't mean you, but uh, like you, the listener. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, like yeah, a- yeah. Oh for. Totally. Any 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 games, favorite Nintendo systems, favorite uh, memories, anything. Yeah, tag us, comment, post, whatever on uh, social media, and we'll we'll definitely bring it up in a future episode. Because this isn't. I mean, I started the Zanzizi podcast as a as a way to to be basically be able to cover everything. Because I just didn't want to. I don't want to always be a negative Nancy and do serial killer episodes every week. I want to talk about cool shit and stuff that we all like and enjoy. Nintendo uh, felt like a good place to start when it comes to video gaming. And uh, there'll be more. I, I, I'm I'm excited to do an episode on Sony and an episode on Xbox. I mean, these, this was a long one, so maybe in the future we'll break these up. But anyway, yeah, uh, if you have an episode recommendation you want to shout out, Send an email to zanzizipodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll add it to the dossier. Yeah, Mike, buddy. do you have anything you want to promote or shout out? Uh, not currently. Okay. I'm going to shout you out because you're fucking amazing. I love you. Thank you. I love you too, Mike. Aww, thanks, thanks for buddy. coming on. Uh, we'll have to have you on again, and uh, that's been another episode. We'll see you next week.
This has been a presentation of Beer City Media.